Hello everyone, welcome to the very first video cast slash podcast of Ahead in the Game. Before we get started, I just want to say on behalf of myself and all the rest of the people involved, big thank you to everyone who supported us so far. It's been really overwhelming. Um, our mission is to raise awareness around mental health. Uh, we've partnered with two excellent charities, Shine and Jigsaw. On today's show, um, we're going to be chatting with three of the members of Monaghan Town FC who are running 500k and raising money for both of our associated charities. Um, after that, we are going to be speaking with a league of Ireland legend, Dave Rogers, about his experience with mental health. Very, very good conversation. It got very deep. Um, and we really appreciate it. And we, again, want to thank, before before you listen, we want to thank Dave for his time and for for willing for being willing to open up and share with us. Um, without further ado, we'll get started and we'll move on to the, the lads from Monaghan Town. Enjoy. All right, big thanks to uh, three members of Monaghan Town Football Club for coming on to chat about their fundraiser in association with the Head in the Game campaign for our charity partners, Shine and Mental Health. How's it going, boys? Not too bad. How's it going? Um, we've got Shane Hannon, we've got Darren Smith, and we've got Paul Smith on. Um, so firstly, boys, we'll get straight into it. So can you talk us through your fundraiser? Um, I suppose, basically, we haven't played much football this year, Dean, at all. We've been out of action since February, March. And basically, then, a number of weeks back, we go back training for about five or six sessions. And, you know, it was, it was brilliant to get back. Absolutely fantastic to get back. But, as you know, it was short-lived. Um, and we had to stop again. So, basically... You know, we, we want to just keep, keep, keep doing something and basically come up with an idea of that we would maybe check in with, with different runs into the WhatsApp group. Um, and then from there, kind of developed into, right, let's, let's have a challenge and let's, let's and then, it, 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 you know, we went into saying maybe let's get a, you know, do it for charity. So we had a discussion with the boys and, and the first and probably the only thing that came up was about mental health. You know, could we support mental health? Because I think everybody is you know, felt a bit low or a bit down during the last couple of months and, and mental health just comes right up and, and, and it screams out that people, you know, that them services, you know, need support. Brilliant. Um, so that, that's the main reason why you chose mental health, just that it, obviously it's at the forefront of everybody's minds uh, right now with everything going on, right? Absolutely. And, and also we, we have noticed that, the, you know, the launch of your own initiative, Head in the Game, and, and, you know, in terms of the video that you've released and stuff and, you know, the positive impact that that had a number of weeks back when you launched that. Um, so I suppose that was in our minds. It's, it's, it's relevant because it's, you know, local football, League of Ireland, and, and, you know, I know there's a lot of good lads behind the initiative. So that, that, that was a, sort of a reason as well to connect with, with such an uh, such a initiative like your own. Yeah, uh, and then, <clears throat> so your fundraiser, it's, it's a 500k um Shane, do you feel getting getting active will have a positive impact on your own your own individual and the collective mental health of the of the team during the lockdown right now? Oh, definitely, Dean. I mean, I think when Paul speaks about mental health and and we we kind of got back to training there a couple of months ago and there was a bit of a camaraderie going with the team. There was a lot of young boys. I was only coming back from I retired at the tender age of about nineteen, and the boys kept going well into their Paul's about forty six <laughs> at this point, so they all kept going, but. It was once we all got back on the pitch, even in the last couple of months, a lot of us didn't even know each other. But to be fair now, the camaraderie's been unbelievable. The WhatsApp group's been hopping the last uh, the last while. And then when you see that there's a six-week lockdown coming in again, you get a bit deflated because you're thinking, we're just getting into a nice groove here. We're just getting into something good. There's young boys involved and you worry maybe the young boys' heads might drop when there's no training, no matches to look forward to and there's nothing to do really. And, and, and we'll all kind of taper off and go back into into doing nothing and uh, into oblivion essentially when there's no matches but to be fair you know the lads started up this this whatsapp and uh, this initiative and you know anyone who was skeptical about it the first couple of days Dean I'll tell you what the, the straight away there was kilometers being run there was fellas just Alan Ballantyne I, I mean ran a few k one of the days and I hadn't seen Alan Ballantyne run further than 18 yards in in, in my entire life but the, length of the, the length of the box so the fact that he was out running as well was was probably giving other people a boost as well. And some of the lads were, you know, Jimmy Trainer, Mark Mulhall, uh, and then the young lads were getting involved as well, banging out good times. Jason McHugh was banging out good times. Connor Campbell's got the record. My ankle's a bit uh, at me the last couple of days, so I'll have to get back out in the pavement tomorrow and beat up beat his record. But uh, 
to be honest with you, Dean, it's been, it's been incredible. And, uh, you know, it, it's only the start of the six weeks, but I think over the next couple of weeks, we're going to keep going. And, and we, we, I think the target was, was 500K, but we, we're going to blow that out of the water and hopefully we'll blow the donations out of the water as well. Yeah, it's been uh, the donation has been good to watch, and it's been great to see even Darren uh, clocking up the miles and putting it up on his social media. Um, you just mentioned it. From mentioned- my own point, yeah, it's just saying there, Dean. Like from own, from a manager's point of view, like you know, I'm, I manage the team, and uh, I suppose it, as the lads touched on, like you know, we weren't gonna be able to continue the training sessions, and the camaraderie had been good up until that. And I suppose it's about finding ways to keep the boys motivated. And, and come here, uh, Paul, come up with the idea, like and. The boys have really got on, on the back of it and rode with it, and it's brilliant. Like you know, you, come here. We won't see the boys for a while, but the what as Shane said, the WhatsApp group is good. Like, and I know uh, myself personally asked the question, like, uh, how's it good for your own mental health? Like, <laughs> I if anyone that knows me knows I hate running. If you put a ball in front of me, I might do a wee bit of running, but anyone that knows me hate running. Come here. Uh, I suppose I was one of the first to go out and see myself on top of the leaderboard, and I think it's it's probably. <laughs> I have to keep myself there is probably the big thing and I suppose there's a few lads behind me so uh, Shane Hannon mentioned a few there he hasn't run yet I'm waiting for him just to do one run and blow me out of the water <laughs> it's a good initiative and come here if you can keep fit and raise money for two good causes at the same time and build up that camaraderie as Shane said I think it's only a good thing yeah definitely and um, you set a target Darren for 500 euro to raise um, you've blown that out of the water do you want to just kind of let people know what, how quickly you've, you've managed to raise that yeah well you know we've, we've a core group of I'd say maybe 20, 20 young lads like and, and come here when, when the banter gets going and, and the boys want to clock up the miles and then suppose put it on Facebook and Instagram and things like that you know people do see it and I suppose if we're being honest, like there, there probably isn't a, every one of us have been affected by mental health in some way over over, over our life. Like so, I I know some people might see it on on Facebook, and you know it's it's a great cause, it, and it's great to be involved in it. And come here, um, the more money we can raise, the better. Um, we set the target at five hundred. I suppose it just rhymed with the five hundred k, five hundred euro. Um, but listen, I, I would be forced to say I'd love to smash that to pieces, like it, and get raise as much money as we can for two great causes. Yeah, um, and then have you got any message? Uh, and this is open to any one of you. If you've got a message for anyone that, that may be suffering a little bit now during lockdown, that that might be encouraged by by the fundraiser and actually what you're doing, you know, uh, by doing the runs. If if any of it have a message, you can throw it out there. I don't like me personally. Like I, I hate running. I, I I detested it in in a, in a lot of ways. But I have to say now, I've been off uh, working at school in Carrick Cross and been off this last week in midterm, getting up every morning to do the run to try and stay on top of the leaderboard. I'll, I'll obviously not stay there when the boys get get into the groove, but getting up for, uh, and doing that run and setting that target every day and seeing my name at the top, it's been brilliant for me. So I, I'm delighted that, that it's got up and running. And, and anyone out there, like, you know, you don't have to break any records. I'm not going to break them. So if you are feeling that you just get out and do it and you know you feel so much better for doing it i think even just yeah to add to, to what these are saying there like the, when we're trying to come up with an idea when the lads were coming up with an idea of what charity to, to pick and what uh, cause to pick i mean mental health was uh, given the times we're living in dean i suppose mental health was probably the, the main one that we were all thinking of and, and like uh, especially with young lads in our team and and we're all young males and clearly young males are often affected by mental health and bottling things up and not talking about things but uh when you see a group of young lads going out and, and older lads as well going out and doing something like this and, and raising awareness for it raising money for it we're coming into november as well when there's going to be a lot of people raising money for for men's mental health charities as well and even if it just highlights to one person out there that it's it's okay to to talk it's okay to show weakness it's okay to be anxious about things some people are anxious about going back into work when all this is over uh, you know people are anxious but a lot of different things but you know little things can help whether it's fresh air getting out a bit of exercise every day whether it's getting up a little bit earlier to get a bit of sun in these dark dark evenings uh you know go out for a walk um talk to your family put your phone away for an hour or two before bed whatever it is it it can only help you and, and i think that the main thing look the money the money we're raising is, is clearly important but the cause and raising awareness for it is even more important because i was watching a video on, on some of the lads might have seen it as well but on Facebook, because uh, about a week or two ago, like the North Monaghan area was affected by a, a young, uh, a young male committing suicide, or, uh, taking his own life. Um, 
very sad incident and, and sadly not an isolated one either but uh, there was a, a Facebook post put up of there was a young fella and he, I'm sure he won't mind me naming his name because he, he posted it publicly and there's thousands of views on it but James McKnight put up an 11 minute video detailing his own uh, mental health issues and, and you know explaining to people that it was okay to talk and I think if we do something small by you know letting people know that it's okay to talk and raise awareness for it over the next few weeks it can only be a good thing Absolutely Paul have you anything you want to throw in there? Well, just just to, uh, to, to suppose conclude what the boys have said that you know thanks to everybody who has donated to the um, initiative so far. Like really grateful um, for the support. But I think I think we've helped each other as well. You know, and Shane mentioned there we raised awareness. You know that it, it is okay to talk. I think even within our group of twenty young males, young middle aged males as well. But we have we've sort sort of kept each other going. You know where these six weeks or maybe six weeks and, and, and beyond could have been difficult. But I think we've kept a bit of banter going. We've kept ourselves together, even though we're not together. But we've, we've helped ourselves first and foremost. And then hopefully, if we can raise some money, we can help other people through the, through the jigsaw and, and uh, shine mental health services. But thanks to, to everybody who's don donated. Like we, we raised a 1,000 at the minute. We've 35, 36 days still to go within the challenge. We ran over... 170 something kilometers so far so we're very much in track but the boys are determined to really you know go past the 500 uh, kilometers and to raise you know even more money over the next couple of weeks so we've raised a thousand we started trying to get 500 we're looking to see can we we you know we raise some more so if anybody out there is listening um we love your support and, and thanks to those who have supported already Brilliant. Um, just on, on behalf, before I go to my last question, on behalf of uh, the, head the, the rest of the lads involved in the Head in the Game campaign, I just want to say a big thanks to, to all three of you and, and everybody involved in the, in the fundraiser. This is uh, the very first fundraiser that's been associated with the campaign. Um, originally, Head in the Game was, we just set out that we were going to try raise awareness around, among League, League of Ireland, but very quickly it's kind of evolved into something that's, that's much bigger, you know, around around football at any level, you know, at grassroots level, um, as well as the professional game. So um, just on behalf of myself and, and the lads, we just want to say a big thanks to, to everyone at Monaghan Town for, for getting involved, for doing this, um, and kind of kicking off our own fundraising initiatives uh, that we'd be going into moving forward at the end of this year and moving into 2021. Um, and the last question I have for you, lads, would be if people want to donate, um, or get in touch with you, how did it do so? So what, what uh, social media channels? And before you just answer that, Paul, um, I know I grew up in Calvin a long time and I promised you I'd donate. So it's just taken me a little while to open the wallet. So, uh, but I will eventually. Good man, Dean. Good man, Dean. You got the, got the, got the wallets open. Yeah. That's the other thing I think, lads, as well. Just, uh, just when you mentioned Calvin and obviously Mon and Calvin playing this weekend, that was the other thing about sport. I think when, when I was, when I know the three of you lads are the same as well. When you're, when we were driving out to trainings at, in Clintibbert there on a Tuesday evening, it was, it was one of the highlights of the week. Uh, and that was one of the dark, dark things we were heading into this six weeks and we had no trainings. But given that having this run means we can go out training by ourselves any day of the week. And, and the fact that we have to post it into the WhatsApp group almost makes you, kicks you on a bit further because you, you know you're going to be judged and the lads are going to be looking at your time and your pace but uh, the importance of sport is, is crucial there's a lot of people talking about the, uh, the, the you know the GEA and whether the other county season should go ahead in level five but uh, and look we leave that up to the epidemiologists and, and doctors and everyone else to decide those things but uh, the fact that you know Monon are playing Cavan this weekend and, and people are talking about it I had arguments with, with the Albi there all day about it all week and it's something to look forward to and if Monon win they play again next week. Dundalk are playing. You know, everyone wants to wants to talk about it. So I think the importance of sport at a time like this as well can't be underestimated. And uh, for us to have that, uh, you know, bind it into a into a team spirit as well over the next few weeks with this uh, what's up in these runs is is massively important. I think the lads might agree. Absolutely. Brilliant, lads. So, um, could, do you want to just give a shout out on your social media channels or show, yeah. social media pages? We're just basically on Facebook. We're on Twitter, Monontown FC. Uh, we're on Instagram now as well. Uh, or look at if, if you know any of our club members, you can, you, you know, you're more than welcome to, to give a donation and we can obviously add it to the, to the total amount uh, as well. But any, any, any format, uh, social media, there's a GoFundMe page, obviously on, on LinkedIn on all those uh, platforms.
Brilliant. Um, well, thanks very much, lads. Best luck with the rest of the campaign, and hopefully uh, we might get in touch with you again at the end of it. See, how, see, see how many miles Paul done. <laughs> Just a couple. Good man, Dean. Thanks very much. <laughs> thanks, thanks. many lads. Big thank you to Shane, Darren, and Paul um, for coming on and chatting about their, their fundraiser with Monaghan Town FC. Um, we really appreciate anybody that gets involved and helps, uh, helps raise money and raise awareness around mental health and is able to contribute money to our, our charity partners. So thanks very much to the lads and to everyone involved in that. Now, moving on, um, I think everyone's going to enjoy this. You're going to get something out of this. Um, as I say in the interview, none of us are experts in mental health. Um, this is about having a conversation, people opening up, telling their own story. Um, I really think you're going to enjoy it. You know, it's a, it's a conversation that I think we, we all need to have. And, uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, we really appreciate Dave's time. Um, so I'm not really going to say much else. And we'll, we'll start with the big man. Now, everyone, I'm delighted to welcome a League of Ireland legend. I was going to name all off, uh, name off all of his clubs, but I felt a little bit like I'd be introducing Tiger Woods. Um, so, so someone who needs really no introduction in League of Ireland circles, a three-time League of Ireland champion with uh, with Shelbourne, uh, Mr. Dave Rogers. Dave, how's it going? Dean, great to see you, mate. All good. Pleasure to be on, and um, good to see a familiar face. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know Dave, uh, a little bit like myself, is coaching out here in the States. Um, he's coaching down in Arizona and we've been in touch a lot over the last probably six, seven months. Uh, even longer since he, got, since he got the gig out here. Um, so Dave, we really appreciate you coming on to discuss your experience with mental health. But before we start with that, um, just in case there's anyone listening to maybe that, that isn't an avid League of Ireland fan, could you give a short kind of background? And again, I said, you know, about all the clubs you have, but if you give a short <laughs> background about your career... Um, from playing and now what you're doing as a coach. Yeah, again, Dino, appreciate you having me on. It's a fantastic cause and a fantastic, you know, incentive that you've you've brought here, mate. And um, you know, I know there's many people supporting it, and I'm one of them. I think it's amazing. And um, very briefly, born and bred in Liverpool, um, brought up an Everton fan, uh, played all my youth career at Everton, um, blue blood, as we say. Um, you know, then went into play for Tranmere Rovers, Chester City. Uh, Dundee in the Scottish Premier League, moved over to the Netherlands to play for Cambuur. Um, that was a great experience. It gave me a new insight into you know different techniques and different styles. Helped me become a different a different player, both on the field and off the field. And then obviously the breakthrough for Ireland was when um, Mr. Roddy Collins, who's another another good guy and a great character, recommended me to Pat Fenland. And um, I flew over, met Pat, met everybody at Shelbourne, and you know the rest is history. Um, great times there, great people, great to be in Ireland with, with great fans. I've always, no matter whether it was good banter or, you know, even a little bit of bad banter, should we say, a little bit, bit of abuse, which I've taken during my time, but always in good spirits. But um, one, one thing about the League of Ireland fans, passionate, dedicated, and the way they volunteer the time to grow the clubs is, is a credit to all of them. So, yeah, um, as you said, more clubs than Tiger Woods. That was only towards the end of my career. Um, we won't get into too much of that. But no, I, I, I don't look back and think I should have done this, I should have done that. I just look back and say how lucky and privileged I was to, to spend my time with, with so many good people, you know, so many good clubs, um, so many experiences. And, and you know, it's, we're lucky and we're privileged to be in, in, that, in that position. And I'll always be grateful to the, the people that I met along the way. Excellent. I think uh, just looking at your social media and stuff, you're quite active on Twitter, Dave. And um, when you look at all the other, all the clubs you've played for, no matter how long you played for them and stuff, it seems that you maintain a good relationship with everybody at any club you've been to. And I know any supporters of clubs that you've played for, they always loved having you on their team. Maybe not when you played against them, but uh, <laughs> they, they always loved having you on their team. Um, and we're going to, obviously, we're going to take a deep dive into the conversation around mental health now. And before we do that, I just want to kind of um, preface to anybody that's listening that I'm not a, an expert in this. Dave's not an expert in this. We're just talking about each other's experiences. Um, and we're just hoping that but by Dave opening up um, about his experience, that it just might, might connect with somebody and just, uh, you know, uh, hopefully people will, will be able to open up and speak a little bit themselves. And that's kind of what the Head in the Game program is. is uh, is trying to do uh, do right now. So, 
talking about your career, Dave, um, while you were playing, um, particularly we, we look kind of more directly at, at your career in Ireland. Did you find it tough mentally being a professional footballer in Ireland? And I'm kind of talking about that, the 40-week contracts, or, you know, we spoke a little bit. Uh, well, I'll let you go into kind of more detail yeah. about, about your career. But um, mentally, and maybe it didn't at the time, but did you find it tough looking back on your career, um, trying, trying to make it as a professional player in Ireland? Yeah, it, it was. It was definitely it had its challenges, Dean. Um, you know, even to this day, it, there's a lot of good people in League of Ireland who are trying to do the right things. And um, if, if I go back to 2002, 2003, when I arrived at Shelbourne, um, really good team, strong team, strong players, strong characters mentally. I always put myself down as being, you know, mentally strong. Um, but then you do go through spells where, and, and if I hit home when. We were playing the shells and everything was going great on the field. But unfortunately, off the field, we were hitting some bad times. You know, we, we stopped getting paid. So you're saying there, was it, was it mentally challenging? Absolutely. You know, when you've got bills to pay, when you're trying to pay a mortgage. You know, at that time, I, I, I had a, a newborn baby girl. Um, and, and you do. You, you're going into training every day. And the fact that we had a really good support mechanism of players at Tolka Park that time, you know, some great leaders some really good personalities. We fed off each other. Um, and I feel then, if we didn't have that bonding that we had, it would have affected us a lot more because I remember finishing training, you know, at the AUL and, you know, we'd, we'd go maybe into Fagan's and have a bit of lunch together and lads would be going to the coffee shop together and just chatting and, you know, just saying, look, we're going to be okay if we stick together, we'll get through it. And... Um, You'd walk into a supermarket, and you know, by that time, it was all over the newspapers. And you know, shells are going through a bad time, and the players are not getting paid. And people would always comment, and not not in a bad way, you know, they might just come up to you and say, Oh, have you been paid this week, or are you going to get paid next week? So that would trigger a little seed in your mind that you know, you were in a situation that was, was difficult. And, and like I said, you know, there was sleepless nights, there was times where you're worrying about, you know, where's the next paycheck going to come. But at the same time, still being able to focus your, your, your day-to-day job on the field because, like I said, I, I felt we had a really good dressing room with some really good people and characters that were there to support each other. Yeah, I think talking about that Shells team, they're always in the, um, in the bracket of one of the best ever and I think that's, that's a, fair, uh, a fair shout with them. Um, so just kind of going off what you're saying there, you'd find that the football w- would have been a, an escape from everything that was going on and, and would that even in your own head have been like a little bit of a mask from the issues that were happening off the field or were you well aware of, of those? Yeah, we were aware of it. I, I was aware of it and I'd say 95%. of the boys at that time were well aware of what was going on off the field, behind the scenes. But we had this, we had this bond, we had this spirit between everyone. Like I said, being in the dressing room and, you know, Pat Fenton, I can only, not only imagine, I now know through my own coaching career, which we'll probably touch on, what Pat must have been going through as a manager. Because, you know, we were getting, we were knocking on Pat's door, you know, when are we getting paid, Gaffer? And, you know, when's the pay, when, when are we getting our money? And, so I can only imagine at that time the stress and, and the strain that Pat would have been under because if we were under that strain as players, he's the guy that brought us to the club. He's the guy that sold us the dream, sold us, the, you know, what he was expecting from us. So, you know, Pat, to be fair, had good staff around him as well. Mick Neville, great character, great guy. Um, Fred Davis, um, at the time it was, I think Johnny, Johnny Mack had just moved on and Eamon Collins had come in and Eamon was really the type of character that would crack the jokes and you know, set the tone at the training sessions. And like I said, it was it was difficult, but I always felt myself being, I could put my game face on. It was my, it was, being on the training pitch was my escape. It was where, it was my happy place, you know, and then it was when you get in your car after training and you're driving home, that's when it sort of hits you. That's when the reality dawns on you that, have you got enough money to pay your car at the end of the month? Have you got enough money to go and get a week shopping in, a, a month shopping in? Um, but like I said, we were resilient. We were, we were together, um, and the lads, the lads at that time. Like I said, I know I always have a, a conversation. You mentioned about being one of the best, the best teams in League of Ireland. In my opinion, we were, but not just for what we done on the field. It was for what we were, we were like off the field. You know, shoulder to lean on, picking up the phone, looking out for each other, um, a, a message. You know, meeting up with each other. 
for, for me, it was that camaraderie, it was that that togetherness off the field, that sort of, and I always say we were men, we were a group of men, you know, that really cared for each other and really looked after each other. So that um, that ties on uh, nicely to to another question I have, and it sounds like at Shelburne um, it wasn't too hard to confide in each other, probably because the struggles were were something everyone was going through. But as you kind of progressed through your career and went on to other clubs, would would you have found it hard with any struggles you might have had, even going towards the end of your career? To like in football, we see um, football fans, football players as these hard men that don't open up, and that's part of our campaign is that we're trying to, you know, get people up, open up. Maybe leaving the shells thing aside, would you have found it hard um, to open up? Absolutely, and and you, again, you've just you've made a great point. It, it, footballers get this <laughs> this sort of target of being hard men, of being you know uh, they, they, they they can take whatever comes at them. And my, myself, I always sort of thought I was you know a tough defender, scouse accent, shaved hair, goatee beard. You know, was was I tough on the field? Absolutely. I'd always put myself as, you know, I wasn't afraid of a challenge, as in not a challenge in a tackle, or but, you know, a challenge as a team, a challenge personally, you know, collectively. But what, what, would I have been one of them people where I'm thinking, I'm a man, you know, I'm, I'm playing professional football, I'm okay, I don't need to speak to anybody, I don't need to open up. Absolutely at that time. And when I look back now, Dean, I wish I'd have opened up a lot earlier. Because it's not good, it's not healthy to keep inside, you know, the emotion, the stress, the depression that you're going through. Sometimes, you, you know, I'd wake up with a, a really bad migraine. I, I, I wouldn't have slept much through the night. I could go and put a training session in and then I'd feel like crap afterwards. But I'm putting that down. I'm thinking, why am I so fatigued? Why do I feel, you know, lightheaded? Why do I feel I've got no energy when I'm, I'm 28, 29 years of age? I'm in my prime. Um, it wasn't down to fitness. It was down to the fact that I, my mental health was suffering, but I was trying to oversee it by by putting on this this self esteem image of I'm Dave Rogers. I'm I'm, I'm a six foot one defender. You know, I, I don't get mental health. I'm not going to get depression. When I look back, that's exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of I, like I worked um, as kept Manford on dog for a couple of years, and I worked closely in the 2012 season and. I was supposed to actually be Stephen Kenny's kit man when he came in yeah. and a month into it, I just, uh, you know, I felt kind of like the club should have hired me, um, should, should have paid me a wage. They weren't in yeah. a position to do it, which I, looking back on it, I completely understand. But yeah. after going through the 2012 season where you're heavily involved with Save Our Club and things like that there, just it, mentally it's tough. And, you know, it's the exact same with me is, you know, you just, uh, you wake up, you wake up with a headache, you go to bed with a headache you, yeah. and you don't know what, what the feeling is, you know, and it's, it's again, even I find these conversations are good, uh, good for me that I'm able to kind of uh, explain a little bit further about mine and just kind of learn that, you Absolutely. know, what, I, you're not on your own with this. Um, but mo moving on now, um, Dave, so you, were, you, you spoke earlier kind of off camera with me that you retired at the age of 36. Um, how, how was that? And we're going to kind of talk about your adjustment from playing the coaching, but how was that initial stop? you know, from being involved every day um, to, to, to not being on the training ground? Do you know what, Dean? It's, it's a strange feeling and it's a cliche where you don't, I actually don't miss playing. And I, I never miss playing, but I miss that every day-to-day -day interaction with, me, with your teammates, you know, getting in the car, picking up one or two of your teammates on the way and getting into the, to the ground. And the, it, it was the atmosphere and that sort of routine. I, I mean, I've done it for 21 years. You know, so when all of a sudden that comes to a stop, it was the biggest, biggest culture shock in my life. Um, I went on then, like I said, I didn't have any coaching qualifications at the age of 36. I was, I should have done it looking back. And I, I did speak to you earlier. I should have done my, my coaching qualifications, you know, during the period of my latter stages. But when you're getting older and then you've got kids and you think at the end of every season, you spend a bit of family time and, you know, you spend a bit of time with the kids because the coaching qualifications would always be, you know, sort of when it was your rest period. But looking back, I should have done that. Though, going into the, the missing the game, I, I, I never missed playing in front of the fans, in, you know, in stadiums. That's, that's a love. You, you, you love that. So that's a natural sort of habitat where 
you, you, it's not just about being paid. It's being paid for something that you love to do. The obsession, the passion of getting out on a stage and showing people what, that you care, showing people what you, what you, you love to do. It was the day-to-day interaction with my teammates. It was the, that whole ritual of you know, finishing training and sitting in the canteen and having a, a scrambled egg on toast and a, and, and a cup of tea. Or That was the little things that affected me. Um, did it affect me right away? No. It sort of it, it came in a sort of staged period where I got myself a job with on post in, as a postman, which a lot of ex League of Ireland players do. And you know, I ended up working with Boots Grant, who's one of my closest friends, and Mark O'Brien, who played for Dundalk as well. And you know, being being with the lads sort of alleviated a little bit of that that pain. And you know, you're having a banter and I'm walking through the streets of Balbriggan and Skerries and you meet League of Ireland fans and they're stopping you and Scouts, have a cup of tea, come and have a slice of toast and that was brilliant. But it took me about six to 12 months after I actually stopped playing when I hit this brick wall, Dean. And the brick wall I hit was, it was just something like I'd never, never hit before. I didn't want to get out of bed. I started eating junk food. You know, I started drinking fizzy drinks, which I'd never touched. Mm-hmm. Um, I became lazy um, and I'm wondering to myself how am I getting into this rut how can I get out of it because it really like I said it came like a bolt from the blue and I knew inside I had problems but I didn't want to admit it to myself and I'm sure well I'm not sure I know my family can see this as well um, I didn't want to spend time with the kids I didn't want to you know, spend time with my wife. I, I was miserable. I was I was getting narky, frustrated. I knew I had problems, Dean, but like we touched on, I'm a man. I'm Dave Rogers, the ex-professional player. You know, this is not going to happen to me. When I look back, it's exactly what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that kind of why, Dave, then, that you're transitioning into coaching? I know you'd said you always kind of wanted to do it and wish you'd done it sooner. Was that a way of coping when you hit that brick wall, you know, to get back in the coach and get back on the field in, in a different capacity? Yeah, and, and again, it was sort of compensating for, you know, you've played for so long, you, you've, you've been in the public eye, you know, in the fresh air, in the open, doing what you love doing. I'd always had the burning desire, like you mentioned. I always wanted to be a coach and be a manager. But it was, it was breaking that barrier of saying to myself, get out of bed. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Mm-hmm. Speak to somebody and get that lust and passion back of what you, what you love to do. Because I, I really did want to give something back to the game. I wanted to give something back to the community. And you know yourself, you know, I've lived in Dundalk now for 12 years. And my brother-in-laws are all, you know, season ticket holders at Oriel. And, you know, did they give me stick back when I was playing? Obviously, you know, we, we always look back on it and laugh and joke about it. All my in-laws from the town and I, I've loved living there you know and, and still do and so for me it was setting up a little academy in Dundalk and all of a sudden going from 10 kids one week to 120 150 kids the week after that gave me that little bit of of zest it gave me that little bit of impetus to say come on you've got something to, to kick on now you've got something to to go and give back to people that you know deserve an opportunity like I got when I was a kid so yeah, being back out there, being back with people, being on, on the field and being able to do what I feel as though I'm good at and interacting was was an absolute godsend and it really put me back in a happy place. Good, that's great to hear. Um, and now moving on to your coaching career, Dave. Um, it's fair to say that your coaching career isn't a, isn't a traditional one. You know, you've... Uh, your journey um, has been a long one, but it's also been a, it's made you go worldwide, you know, which I think yeah. as, as an Irishman now living in Chicago, doing it for a living, it's, um, it helps you get out of your comfort zone. But how, how, was that, how has that been? How has that journey been in, in terms of like uh, going to different cultures and different countries? Dean, again, it was, I, I couldn't have expected, I mean, it's only been eight years since I started my UEFA B license. And in, in those eight years, I've, I've gone from UEFA B, UEFA A, UEFA A elite youth. And obviously, over the last six months, I've, I've passed the, the UEFA Pro license. It's been an absolute whirlwind, but it's been an amazing experience. And 
you're right. I never once thought I'd go and work in India, South Korea, Nepal, Bangladesh, the USA. You know, for me, I'd always listen. Have I spoke to League of Ireland clubs in the past? Yeah. Um, is the League of Ireland close to my heart where I'd love to come back one day and, and, and really take a club forward the way I know I can? Absolutely. But yourself being being a fellow, you know, a fellow coach who's travelled from Ireland and there's so much the world has to offer. And yeah. you're, you're absolutely right, Dean. It's took me out of my comfort zone, but it's gave me the best education I've had in my life. You know, I've, I've, I've witnessed things in third world countries that make me sit back and, and tell my kids, we're lucky to have water. We're lucky to have electricity. You know, when you've got food on the table, appreciate what you've got. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also taken me to levels that I never dreamt I'd get at such a short period of time since stepping into the coaching world. Um, academy manager for Liverpool internationally, amazing. Assistant, assistant coach for the Indian national team. You know, Stephen Constantine giving me an opportunity. Head coach in the Indian, the Indian leagues and, you know, dealing with budgets and dealing with the personalities and, and characteristics that we'll go on to. Um, you know, just developing players. People talk about winning things. And yeah, at senior level, you've got to win things. You're expected to win things. But the biggest trophy for me is when I see a player that I've, I've helped give an opportunity to through development step into a first team, step into an international team. There's no better feeling. Um, and that's the same over here now with FC Arizona. Another fantastic project, a club that were growing consistently on and off the field. But again, my travels have provided me with challenges and, you know, emotions that have been very tough to come through. So talking a little bit more about your, um, <clears throat> your challenges, you know, speaking from, um, from my own experience and, 2017 and a big reason why I've, I've been a part of this heading the game campaign I lost my uncle to suicide back in Dundalk yeah. and I, I was out here in the States wasn't able to travel um, back and stuff and that, that hit me hard six months later my grandfather passed away also in Dundalk I couldn't go yeah. home for uh, for his funeral either and like I think a week or two before my grandfather passed away I ended up in a hospital after a night out drinking and that kind of just that set the wheels in motion for me um, with me now wife she wasn't very happy to find out I woke up in a hospital and things like that, you know, and it forced me to kind of to reevaluate my whole, my whole, um, my whole life. Uh, you know, it, it was a, not a nice situation, but obviously, um, some good has come from it. I'm healthier than I ever was and things yeah. like that there. But going on to, um, I know you haven't really spoke very publicly about, um, your time in India and I know you're kind of, your mental health really hit a low point, um, Absolutely. over there. If that's something you're comfortable talking about, if you're, yeah. you're about that. Absolutely, Dean. It, it was so. I, I, after three years as the international academy manager for Liverpool, I stepped up as the head coach for our partnership club, DSK Shavadians, uh, who were in the I League. Fantastic owner, run by a really good company. Um, brought in my own staff. You know, I, I could bring in John Andrews, who who done the A license with me. John played for Cold Ramblers in Cork City, and um, Barry Knowles I brought from England. You know, I could bring in a couple of other Liverpool staff. So it really gave me an opportunity to put my stamp on, on, on things and, and it was going great. We get to January the 1st, 2017 and the salary stop. And I'd signed Shane McFall, Shane who'd done brilliant for St. Pat's and UCD and mm -hmm. I'd signed Shane on, on, on a three-year contract. And I'd signed a guy, Sasha Kalanija from Serbia. I brought in uh, Juan Cuero from Spain, good, good professionals, good players who, who like Path Fenland done with us at Shells. And I touch back on that with, with my experience now. I sold these guys the dream. The manager, come and play for me, guys. Here's what I'm trying to build. Here's what we can offer. Here's the environment I want to create for the younger players we're going to bring through. When you're the manager, Dean, of 26 players and 12 technical staff, and all your administration staff and, you know, your kid man, your, your, your tea lady. All of a sudden, when you stop getting paid, it's just, it's like a big brick wall gets put right in front of you. Um, for the first four to six weeks, we were managing okay. I was managing to keep the motivation going of the boys and the staff and, you know, 
some of my best team talks with my staff were in my apartment at the night time over a glass of wine. You know, we, 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 could, we could open up to each other. We could, you know, have a glass of wine and how are we going to get through this and everyone giving their own little bit of information and look, we'll be good, we'll stick together. But then when it got into the second and third month, Dean, was when it really hit me. I had India international players knocking on my door, crying in my arms. Gaffer, I need my money. I've got to pay my bills. I've got 12 members of family who live with me and I need to pay my car. I've got to pay for my, my furniture. And it started to hit me, Dean. Mm-hmm. And at that time, my wife and kids were back in Dundalk. Um, they never moved to India, but they would come and spend some holidays. And, and I remember my wife saying to me, come home. Because every time we spoke on, on Zoom or FaceTime and she could see that I was getting thinner. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see it. But she could see I was getting thinner, the strain, the bags under the eyes. I wasn't sleeping, Dean. I was more focused on how can I help my players. I'm banging on the door to the owner. What's going on? I want answers. It was lie after lie after lie. And I basically sat down one day with the players and I said, guys, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I don't see us getting paid. If you want to stand up now and leave and walk out the door, I'll shake your hand. I'll help you find another club. The same to my staff. These are people that I've sold the dream to, Dean. These are people that have given up other clubs, give up other countries, lifestyles, to come and play for Dave Rogers and to come and play for DSK Shabadians. And every one of them to a man, and I will never forget them, even my staff, said, Gaffer, we're not going anywhere unless you go. We're here for the fight. We came together, we'll stick together, and we'll look after each other. And that, for me, the emotion at that time, I, I welled up in front of everybody. I'm not afraid, I'm not ashamed to stand sit here and say, I got emotional. Um, and every one of them players stuck by me. We got through the last six or seven months of the season. We won a cup. We finished fifth in the league. And you talk about the emotion and the stress and, and, the, and the, the mental side. I ended up missing the last league game because I was rushed to hospital and put on two drips for 48 hours because I'd lost so much energy, so much weight. Um, it was my, my own medical department that sent me to hospital. And it was then when I realised I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, it nearly cost me my marriage. You know, I, I, my family back home in Liverpool and Ireland were just come home. What, what are you doing? You know, you're going to kill yourself. But I felt I owed my players and my staff the obligation to stick with them, Dean. And that was the, I, I, I blanked everything else out to focus on the, on the players. And do I regret it? No. But when I look back, and like we said, I should have went and spoke to someone. I should have reached out. I should have, you know, opened up to somebody. And I didn't. I was trying to fight everyone's battle. I was trying to keep it all in. Um, and it was a really, really dark moment of my career and of my life. That when I look back now, it's taught me so many lessons and made me stronger and made me the person that I am today. That's... Um... A crazy story, but I mean, it's good to hear. And speaking on behalf of everyone, hopefully that's listening in. I think we're all glad that you're 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 healthy today, and it's it's good to hear that everything you know that you've you've come through that. You know, it's obviously it's a tough, it's a harrowing experience. And sometimes even when you're coaching and in any job, if if you're working around people and you bring your own people in, you're still kind of on your own when you're the one that causes yeah. the shots. You know, so it's uh, again just to kind of reiterate, it's great to see that you're you're happy and healthy today. I, um, I appreciate it, mate. It's it's like I said, being it's been it's been some real life lessons, um, and a, another one that quickly I, I don't want to go off subject, but you mentioned about you know you lost a couple of people in your in your family, and when I arrived in Arizona a year ago, I'd only been here forty eight hours, and my cousin Stephen back in Liverpool hung himself, and I couldn't get home. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go home because I just arrived, and you know there, there was so much expectation on me at the club. And it was just devastating, the fact that, and we, we still speak about it now, I speak to my uncle and my, my cousins who are still still there from Stephen's brothers. And, you know, it's again, you've got to speak out. It's not, you're not being, you know, you're not being anything less than a man by speaking out. You know, it's people are there to help. And, you know, I wish my cousin would have picked the phone up to me. And, you know, it's, 
we're, we're here to help. You know, it's it's not impossible to just reach out to someone and there's always somebody available. There's always somebody that will listen. And that's what I found that I shouldn't have held in mm-hmm. over them years when I did as a player and I did as a coach. It's okay to talk. It's okay to be a man to cry, to show your emotions. It's okay to, to say, I need help and I need to see somebody and speak to somebody. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a good point. And it's something that we've obviously been um, pushing with our campaign is, you know, to, to speak up. I remember even just to kind of piggyback off that, my own situation back in 2013 with one of my friends. Um, I was going through again after I left on dock. I was going through a tough time yeah. and never realized how I could, that I wasn't dealing with it properly. And I remember just in, in the smoking area of a pub down in Calvin one night, just breaking down into tears, you know, yeah. and speaking to one of my mates who'd, who'd also lost a friend around that time, he started crying too. And the next yeah. day, the two of us felt miles better, you know, and it's absolutely it's something as simple as having, having a little cry and, and yeah. talking about it, you know, yeah. it's, it sounds it sounds easier than it is. I know in, in the culture yeah. that um, it's hard to speak out, but I, it definitely does help. Um, so just uh, I've got a couple more questions for you, Dave. I know um, I know you're you're busy with, with work uh, down in Arizona. So obviously coaching in a foreign country, and you mentioned that you know you moved out to Arizona a year ago. I believe only in the last month, two months, your your family have moved out there or, or out, out with you right now. It can be tough, and given that we're we're currently in, or Ireland's currently in a lockdown, and the world's just a little bit crazy. Yeah. If you feel yourself getting down in those moments where you're on your own, um, do you have any coping mechanisms nowadays to help you get through that? Do you know what? One thing I've, and again, if if I touch back on the situation in India as well, when mm-hmm. when the wife and kids never moved to India, and I think the the longest I went without seeing them was six months. Um, sometimes you get engrossed in, in, in the job, in the work. I'm sure you can vouch as a yeah. coach and I'm sure any ex-player or coach now that, you know, that is doing what we're doing, you, you do get engrossed in it and, and it's like everything else becomes second nature and you're focusing so much on your job and your coaching and the hours. And But one thing I've learned to do is to spend some time on my own. As in, it could be a drive in the car. I could go out and drive for an hour with a bit of music on, you know, I could get on a bike, a, a bike ride and reading books. I, I found out when I went and reached out to a counsellor um, that she made it clear to me that I need my time. I've got to focus on me as well. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even with your family or with your, with your workplace, you've got to have your time. So for me, I really enjoy, even if it's just a stroll, I mean, you know yourself in the, in the USA, we're blessed. There's that many parks and, yeah. and, you know, scenery and areas that you can go to and have a little bit of peace and quiet. And so for me, it's, it's being that sort of spending my time. It could be as simple as lying on the bed with your earphones and, you know, listening to, a, to, to your iPod, listening to a bit of, bit of music, listening to, to the, the, the e-books, whatever you, whatever you feel. But definitely having a bit of me time is, is where I sort of recuperate, you know, sort of reflect. And it sort of recharges the batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in the past, there was no time for me. It was time for everybody else and worrying about this situation and how can I fix this? Um, and the family, as you know, they get pushed to one side. Mm-hmm. So again, if I, if I can offer anyone advice, it's definitely speak to people. You know, and, and go and speak to a stranger. I done it. I spoke to a stranger that knew nothing about me, that never judged me. And I found that was really warming and really you know it gripped me and you know again spending some some time for yourself you can always find 30 minutes to an hour every day for you mm-hmm. and that's something that i'd highly recommend to, to anybody out there that you know is going through a tough time and really wants to re- re- regenerate themselves and re-energize themselves dave this has been fantastic i um, really appreciate you coming on and uh, opening up it's obviously it's a it's a subject that nobody finds easy I don't think no matter how many times you speak about it no one's going to find easy talking about um, about issues that they've, they've had themselves so um, on behalf of myself and the lads involved in heading the game we appreciate it and just uh, the last question and I think you kind of answered it there but maybe just to reiterate some of the points for anybody that's listening in or, um, who might have been impacted by today's conversation have you got any message that you just want to want to say at the end of this yeah, I mean, Dean, I just want to let people know that it's okay 
not you know not to be okay it's not you're not you're not an alien you're not some some monster you're not a bad person you know i i know it firsthand i've gone like we spoke about don't be afraid to reach out to people mm-hmm. there's there's definitely always somebody at the end of a phone at the end of a message you know a, a face-to-face conversation so for me you know heading the game is a fantastic a fantastic incentive a fantastic product that you guys have, have brought to the table and i know it's going to get full support i'll fully support it the club you know you're already getting great support from from all angles but to everybody and anybody out there don't be afraid guys to pick up the phone to knock on someone's door to reach out to anybody because we are going through a, a, an unprecedented time we're going to face more challenges but hey let's go and face them together and let's reach out for each other and make sure that everyone's okay Brilliant. Um, Dave Rogers, thank you very much, sir. Um, Dave, all, all much appreciated, pal. And I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be in touch again soon, all right? Happy to help and stay safe, my friend. Thanks, pal. Cheers, Dean. And a big thank you to Dave. That was, a, that was really a powerful conversation that we had. Um, I appreciate his time. You know, again, on behalf of myself and the lads, big thank you to, to Dave for, for opening up. I think a lot of people that have just listened to that are going to get something out of it, you know, as we say, a lot of what we're trying to do with Head in the Game, we're trying to raise awareness, we're trying to start a conversation around mental health and that starts with people people like Dave, you know, he may have been a footballer player, um, may have been a very successful one in Ireland, but he's been willing to open up, you know, he's the same as every one of us and just just by him opening up with his situation, I hope that's just going to resonate with people. If, if you are listening to our podcast, if you feel like you're struggling, um, you know, if you if you need someone to reach out to, you can reach out to our Facebook pages, uh, our Facebook page, our Twitter page, Instagram, uh, and we can point you in the direction of our two fantastic charity partners, Shine and Jigsaw. And we would like to thank again everybody for supporting what we do. Um, we hope to be back with another conversation soon. Uh, until then, keep an eye on our social media page. We've got a lot going on. Um, thank you very much. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep your head in the game.